This week on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. To Adam Edlin, as someone who has spent months tracking the ground game of KYGov candidates, I can confidently say just like WTF are you talking about? Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. The U.S. Senate's Grim Reaper isn't going anywhere. To mask or not to mask, that is the president's question. And Kentucky's statewide election just two months away. Where's the ground game? Kevin Grout is here. Sean Southard. Scott Jennings. Welcome back. Hey, this is a big show. It is a big show. Because last week I gave you guys the week off. I did all the work last week with David Axelrod. That was fun. But we're back. It's post-Labor Day. There's stuff going on in Kentucky, stuff going on in Washington, big doings. We're in the same room. We're in all together. We haven't been, uh, yeah. Guess I'm, who's I, back. I've been in New York recording back these things. Back again. So, yep. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> was that like off the rails were. Vivek over here. One minute in, we're already <laughs> off the rails. That was, that was sort of a hybrid of Welcome Back, Cotter, and the Muppets. <laughs> Whatever song that was. But. You know, in a moment here, we're going to talk about, we were, uh, I think all of us were fortunate enough to be able to interact with uh, Kentucky's senior senator, the Republican leader of the U.S. Senate, Mitch McConnell, when he was back here in the district during the August recess. We'll talk uh, about his focus and about his priorities coming up. But in the meantime, he himself acknowledged on the Senate floor, as well as in a gaggle with the um, reporters there on Capitol Hill on Wednesday, that uh, concerns about his health after a second time kind of freezing up. Uh, answering reporters' questions in Northern Kentucky about a week or two ago, I guess it was now. It was and literally just last week. Was it last week? It, it was seems last, like it was forever ago. It was last Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay. And so it was a week ago today. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, of course, his, his the Capitol physician came out and explained uh, the the issues there. And and frankly, I mean, we all know that the, the senator sustained a concussion mm-hmm. uh, back in, I guess that was in March. Yes. And the the, the conditions, the, uh, the the two times that he's kind of frozen up at all have both happened in public in front of reporters, unfortunately, for him. And, uh, and he explained this is not an unusual circumstance about all that. But at the same time, because of the second occurrence, I think it was Fox News, it was, I think it was Chad Pegram that was kind of the first uh, out of the, the hatchet here to, uh, asking him at the, uh, at the gaggle at the Ohio clock on Wednesday afternoon. I have no announcements to make on that subject. Oh, you see those who uh, I'm going to finish my term as leader, and I'm going to finish my Senate term. So pretty definitive, Scott. Yeah, and so I'll just let me just go back in time here. So this happens Wednesday, a week ago from our recording this, and well, that night I saw him. He came home from Northern Kentucky, the ancestral home of Kevin Grout. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and good things happen up there. Yeah. And uh, um, he then drove home to Louisville and did an event for Jim Banks, who's congressman in Indiana running for the Senate. Everybody's coalescing around Jim Banks. And so McConnell comes and headlines this fundraiser. And honestly, if you had not heard that something happened, you would not have known. He was perfectly fine. But this whole thing set off this media firestorm. Because somebody got video of the gaggle up there, obviously, in, in northern Kentucky. And so I spent, like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just constantly on television sort of recounting my having seen McConnell Wednesday. And then he and I talked on Thursday. And then uh, we watched some U of L football on Friday night. Go Cards, beat Georgia Tech, season opener. Um, and he was fine. He was perfectly fine and was working the phones and interacting. I mean, it, it was, it, it was, it was like a disconnect. What we saw here in Kentucky and what I was personally observing was just not what, that's not how they were portraying it, you know, in, in a lot of the, the, the stuff. Then I think he smartly released the letter, the first letter from the Capitol physician. And then he released a second letter, uh, after having, gone to see four neurologists. And so I think McConnell basically said, I went to the doctor and the doctor says it's okay and that it's part of the recovery process from having had a concussion. And so he acknowledged that. And uh, I don't know, Kevin, from what I can tell, uh, even his 
even the people who had been against him for another term as leader were coming out in favor of him today. I saw Lindsey Graham right. uh, came out f- uh, and said, I'm, I'm for Mitch McConnell. He sounded good. Even Rick Scott. Rick Scott said he seemed fine. And I guess at the, at the Senate Republican luncheon, he explained this situation, and apparently there wasn't a ton of questions about it. People just said, okay, thank you. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal editorial board had a, a great piece on this. It's that it's the people who know him best, the people who put him in his seat, both yeah. the people of Kentucky and his fellow Republican senators who know this best, not some you know person on TV who's pretending to be a doctor. Like, I just have to get this off my chest. Okay. National Review, who I read... I subscribe to, I like the people who write for it. I'm 99.9% of the time, I'm putting up what they're putting down. But their editorial, within hours of this thing happening, because they saw 20 seconds worth of video, was the dumbest pile of garbage. I hope it was worth the clicks. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. This was, they, they wanted to do it first, so that they could get all the hate clicks, the McConnell hate clicks that we all know exist, right. to their website. I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth it because obviously you have no influence <laughs> over, <laughs> over anybody. And had they taken time to actually watch this unfold, they would have seen how stupid they really sound. Anyway. It's, it's a real tribute to Mitch McConnell. He's able to bring National Review and Donald Trump back together. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No kidding. Well, as we listen to Mitt Romney here on Capitol Hill on Wednesday afternoon and his response, and by the way, some pretty capable math on his part about Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Reality is that we may expect uh, that Mitch McConnell will check out for 20 seconds a day, but the other 86,380 seconds in the day, he does a pretty darn good job. I'm fir- firmly behind his uh, remaining as our leader. I thought Mitz, I thought his analysis was good, except this this only happened twice. It does not happen every day. Every day. No, that, that was, <laughs> and of course, it led to some questions along those lines. But the key to all of this, and this actually defines the response by the McConnell haters, as you pointed out, as well as the people who, who follow McConnell, the, the word is effectiveness. Yeah. And, the, the, and the, because everyone agrees how effective he is. So the people who could not, who cannot wait to this day, of course, every moment saying, when will he leave? Because we know, I was watching um, your network, CNN, over mm-hmm. the weekend, and uh, Manu Raju was filling in. Actually, it's his, 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 new, his new show is taking over for, for Abby Phillip on, the, I guess, Inside Politics yeah. uh, on Sunday morning. Anyway, he had on the Associated Press White House reporter and who said, it was really candid of, of her saying, you know, McConnell is just so darn disciplined like the reporters can't wait for someone else to take that job because they will actually get off track. Yeah. They'll they'll say things other than what the intention is. The thing about McConnell is, and I saw some commentary also here in his hometown of Louisville that frankly was pretty gross. Uh people who kind of saying, Well, my heart goes out to Elaine and uh, give me a break. Yeah, shut there's up. There's this <laughs> there's I mean, seriously, people cannot wait. Cannot wait because they know how effective that he well, is. Th- th- this is like th- this is like what happens when someone has just beaten you to a pulp for your entire career. I mean, the man's never lost an election. Mm-hmm. He's pummeled all these Democrats. He's 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 mind warped. You know the way COVID broke so many. But Mitch McConnell has broken a lot of minds, Democrat minds, and he's broken a lot of people in Washington. And now it's just basically them staring up to the heavens going, please, could you just go ahead and, and take and, him up in the rapture so that we <laughs> right, so and, that we can have... Because so, we, we're, we're out of ideas. We don't know how to beat Mitch McConnell. No one can beat Mitch McConnell. And painting their their, their ideas as concern for him. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's it like, was gross. That's like, that's like the grossest thing ever, is like they don't, they don't actually care. They do not. And, and the thing is, they think they're being clever, mm-hmm. and the reality is everybody knows they're just being... Part, holes. Partisan hacks. Complete... A hole partisan hacks. It's fine. That's what you want to, and that's how you want to be defined in public. Be my guest. I mentioned that uh, the four of us here all had the occasion at one point or another during the August recess to see uh, McConnell here in Louisville. I will tell you, um, in terms of just his engagement level, there's no question, but what was driving him was not questions or any kind of like slings and arrows being aimed at him. What was really, uh, it seemed to me, animating him was Ukraine, our national defense, our national stature in the world, 
frankly, he is concerned, I think, about the government shutdown and what's going to happen there and, and uh, whether the uh, Republicans in, in, in Washington will, will screw that up. Um, and frankly, about being what it means to be back to the Ukraine thing, what it means to be a Reagan conservative. Absolutely. Um, um, I, I saw him make series of remarks about this, uh, including last Tuesday uh, yeah. uh, to a, the, the center right coalition uh, meeting. He I mean, his his remarks were impassioned uh, about this topic. He's definitely not phoning it in. This no. is what he sees as a, a, a major mission for the I, I mean. For, yeah. for the future of the Republican Party, and it, it is future, something that he's not going to give up easy. For the future of America, I mean, right. his, you know, his 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 view is is that this is about America's role in the world, yeah. and and are we going to have a, a Republican Party that supports the Reagan view, uh, the Eisenhower view, uh, you know, that that we are the central superpower in the world, and it is essentially our job to be the arsenal of democracy, and it's our job to uphold the. <laughs> You know the the underpinnings of the world order that have existed since World War II. So it, this is this is an existential item for him, I think. Which is why when he was asked, you know, many times during the gaggle about his own personal situation, he's like, "Get over that. Let's talk <laughs> about the things that are important." Such as he's very concerned, for instance, about the Biden administration's uh, role and perhaps their lack of motivation on Ukraine. Has I think been too slow to keep the commitments that he's made publicly, but at least he's supporting the effort. I think he could have done it more skillfully, but he is supporting the effort, and I intend to continue to support it, and I hope the majority of my colleagues will feel the same way. Anybody who's been tracking this issue closely can tell you, Joe Biden has been slow on this. If you're somebody who cares about this and you think we ought to be doing Everything and anything we can. Super slow. Yeah, he was slow in the beginning. He was. He's been. He's been slow every step of the way, and it's really been McConnell dragging him and his people along. Not just McConnell. He's been a leader, but you know, even some Democrats on the Hill yeah. have been like, "Come on, Mr. President." And so, it, it it this has truly been an example of actual legislative branch leadership dragging the commander in chief. By the way, I get, I, get the, I get the impression from national commentary, Scott, that Biden knows that and, he's, and he finds McConnell to be useful in that regard. In other words, he's letting McConnell, in the same way as often the Republican conference makes McConnell carry the water, I think he's making, I think Biden is having McConnell be the lead on that, you know, in, in the sense, rather than Biden take, being the tip of the spear. What what benefit would that be to him to look ineffective and feckless and sort of slow? I can't explain it. I'm just saying that, but in actuality, that's what I see what's happening. Biden has tripped over his feet. I mean, do you guys remember when he went over there and was 20 miles from the border and told a group of troops they were going to invade Ukraine the next day? He has, this is not a winning issue for him. And I think, yeah, maybe he is happy to have McConnell out there or he just doesn't want people to talk about it, which is why it's so important that Senator McConnell has kept it as part of the conversation for years now. When McConnell went to Ukraine, it made national headline news because otherwise, I don't know if we'd still be talking about it. You know, it's interesting. McConnell in his speech today, he acknowledged in his gaggle, he he acknowledged, look, there's a big debate in my party about this. I have a point of view. I'm going to push my point of view. It was interesting. You know, I was thinking about the way he debates this issue and then the way the people who oppose him are debating the issue. You know, he he fully acknowledges, like, yes, we, we have debating opponents here. I have a point of view. They have a point of view. I think I'm right. But... It, it wasn't bombastic, but the people who are in opposition to it are just absolute. I mean, it's it's so bombastic and so vitriolic and and so hateful and personal. I don't know. I just I find the debating styles to be, I guess maybe a, a, a illustrative of of <laughs> current current politics. Well, then I think the the point that I've heard him say often is that it's less than point two zero. There's a couple zeros in point there too. zero. Two percent of yeah the GDP def- of GDP, and we basically have, you know, the Ukrainians killing Russians with that one American yes. soldier. All the money that we are spending, the majority of it, we're spending here at home. That, which correct. I think is a great point for everyone who says we can't be spending this money. We're doing it to bolster our own national security here at home to backfill what we've already sent to the Ukrainians. Yeah, what what is frustrating about this debate? To is is the reduction of it to well if we do that then we can't do this yeah so yeah. it's like well if we do that we can't fix Hawaii or if we do that we can't clean up after a hurricane or we can't 
build this bridge or we can't. A, that's stupid. B, this is all this this money is all virtually all being spent in America. Yeah. I mean, we're giving it to massive employers in the United States to build stuff. That that's essentially where it's going. And and unlike a lot of other spending that we've seen the last couple of years, it actually has a purpose. Yeah. I mean, meaning that this is an actual in our national interests as well as our role in the world. Let's talk about the president some more here and speaking of policies and Perhaps some policies uh, rearing their heads. Uh, oh. <laughs> yes, we're back to oh. we're back to mask or not to mask, and I don't even know if the president knows whether <laughs> what 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 the policy is here. He was at I guess it was a, a Medal of Honor ceremony. Well, he was there for part of it. Well, that's that's the point. <laughs> he did wander out, as we know. The first lady, Doctor Jill Biden, uh, has has contracted COVID. The president, according to the, like the, the, the White fifth House, time, isn't like the fifth or sixth time. She's not washing her hands. I don't know. She's not, she's not spraying her groceries or wiping down she, the surfaces. She hasn't washed her mail enough. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Actually, Wait, I... Wait, what? I, oh, you mean the U.S. mail? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is wrong with Whoa. you? <laughs> That's a, well, maybe, maybe that, too. <laughs> That's Tucker Carlson's podcast. That's a whole other story. Tucker, anyway. if you're listening. <laughs> no, anyway, so he, as, as we pointed out, he, he leaves the... Uh, he leaves the Medal of Honor ceremony early. Abruptly. Abruptly. So, first of all, let's go to your friend at the press secretary. She's back. Guess who's back? Corrine Jean-Pierre. So, we will keep those CDC guidelines. Again, he wanted to make sure he had those really important remarks to share about the heroics and what uh, the captain, Captain Taylor, did on behalf of his country. So yes, he took off his mask. Uh, and then, but what we made sure to happen is that there was a brief pause. When there was a pause in the program, the president left, uh, so to minimize uh, his uh, his impact or uh, his. Uh, his impact towards the attendees who were there. To and minimize so that was his done on impact. Purpose. That was but, done but very also, purposefully. Like, like this dude that. This veteran that that he awarded, hero we can call this him a hero, hero yeah. that he awarded the Medal of Honor to, is an older guy as yeah. well, and so Joe Biden like literally takes off his mask and is like breathing over the guy as he's putting the putting the the medal, medal. on him, and then he just abruptly walks out and leaves to prevent the spread. Yeah, I mean it's like now remember me, we have to play what Biden said at the top of the thing though because oh, remember this, this is they had announced that he was going to once. Dr. Biden had announced that she had COVID. <laughs> By the way, people now are still announcing that they have COVID like that. <laughs> no one's done that for six months, but eight months, a year, whatever. So they do that. And then they announce that the president will be doing indoor masking because of this. Then he comes out at this event and says what, Kevin? Explain to the press. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board. But they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something, i got to keep wearing it. But don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. <laughs> By the way, the press then just laughs along with him. Yes, right. And these, are the, and, and these are the people who were enforcing this. These were the, th- these were the people who were calling you grandma killer if you went out in your own backyard without a mask. Yeah. And badgering Donald Trump, like, sir, sir, why won't you wear a mask? Why yes. won't you wear a mask? And now you got... <laughs> This is this is like you know what I'm I'm glad this is happening now, to to just remind us of the absurdity of all this because we are at the crest of the next mask movement. You can see it in little. There's been a few towns, some universities, a couple. Fauci's back talking about it again. Fauci. Oh, while we're you, we got to pull up my network. I got to brag on CNN. Michael Smirconish. Just absolutely de-pantsed Fauci on the masks the okay, other day. While Kevin's pulling that up, I'm going to go ahead. But I'm just, we're at the crest of the next masking movement. Biden, by the way, Biden never could figure out how to use a mask. Even when everyone was masking, he would have it on, but then like he would put it on when he went outside, but then he would take it off when he went inside. But if he were alone, he would wear it. But then, if he were in a crowd, he would take like it was everything you were supposed to do. He did the exact opposite. Well, it got in the way of him sniffing young people. <laughs> oh, you can't smell anything through those masks. I mean, it's, now, I can't you, smell your, I can't smell your shampoo. Yeah, let's. Okay. I, we got to hear 
Smirconish. This is Michael Smirconish of CNN interviewing Anthony Doc, Fauci. About the mask. Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait. Hold on, what about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies uh, on uh, individual level for Turn them off. Turn them off. About the yeah. so first of all, yeah, He's but there the are other studies. Your Hi- science is no good. My science is good. Highlight of the week goes to Michael Smirkanish for absolutely, <laughs> absolutely yeah, but. finishing off Dr. Fauci. Well, but there are other studies. The science was absolutely embarrassed. As you know, there are times where I've been critical of Donald Trump on this yeah. podcast. We know. We get the mail. <laughs> I'm the one who reads the mail <laughs> to the pod. But I want to say that the Joe Biden may have out-Trumped Trump this week with this mass thing. To say that he can pause the virus. Yes. That is a new one. I can pause the virus, take my mask off. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Now I'm going to walk out to protect you. That that that's that's Trump. His, his poll numbers might have actually gone up if he had just said, "I'm yeah. not doing. Screw this, man." <laughs> well, Kareen said it. Well, you know, even though he's going to be wearing a mask, he had read some remarks. So as long as you're, you're reading, have something important to do. As long as you are a Democrat politician who wants to make remarks, the vi- this goes back to one of the enduring truths of the virus that was made clear to us by the science early on. The virus is a political analyst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It knows your politics. If you are protesting something that the virus thinks is an immoral issue, it will not infect you. It, it will not it, infect you. It will you. pass over. It will yeah, pass right, over. Right. And so now, but the virus, it's been getting smarter because now <laughs> it's been tracking Joe Biden's presidency and it knows he's in a re-election campaign. Clever girl. And this virus has now mutated to the point where it can actually figure out which of Joe Biden's remarks are important so that it will pause any any viral activity while he demasks and makes the important re- again the the immutable enduring truth of the virus it is sentient it is a it is a, a political it is a political analyst and it knows your politics. It's keeping a list. It's checking it twice. And if you're a liberal who's not been naughty but instead been nice, it will leave you alone because you got the right politics. I'd forgotten that it was. I'd forgotten that it was political. but Because it's 2023 and none of us are talking about COVID anymore. Yeah, so but goodness. But apparently back. we are now. Now we're back. Is this going to be a thing? It's a thing right now. Yeah. It's happening right now. They're closing now. schools. Yes. They're clo- yes, it's a thing. Well... There are schools that are trying to. There was a there was a headline. I got to read it. There was a headline tonight in the in the Washington Post. Here's what they wrote. It was like a couple of schools instituted mask mandates. Conservatives swung back hard. You know, like you know, conservatives noticed a thing. You know, basically (laughs) was the construct of the headline. So, oh, it's a thing. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. And and my guess is in the bluest cities, and in the bluest state, like. There, there will be mandates. This, it's going to happen. Well, you it'll, know, go, it'll go straight to the triple mask this time too. None of that one mask or two masks. But there, are, there are people that are like largely Democrats who look in the bluest of bluest towns that are going to go to their places and like you need to, you need to do something about this. You need to put a mask mandate on this school right now. I yeah. will say in my travels, in my travels, uh, well, there'll, there'll be teachers unions. Right. Yeah. You wait. Call your friend Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but there will be. Uh, in my travels, I, 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 and I, you know, I go a lot of airports, a lot of New York and Washington. I, I've noticed an uptick in masks mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. I've noticed more people wearing the masks, just even outside. Like I, I've seen people outdoors wearing a mask. <laughs> they still believe it. They still believe it. Saint, Saint Anthony, Fauci, told them, 
They've, they've never they come on. They light up their prayer, prayer candle of Anthony Fauci, and they're ready to go. Well, as we said, Dr. Joel Biden uh, diagnosed the president heretofore, not diagnosed this time around. However, the Associated Press uh, picking up on concerns about the president's health and his age <laughs> overall in an interview with Kamala Harris. Question about the president's age often go hand in hand with questions about how you would step in the role, you know, if necessary. Do you feel prepared for that possibility? Uh, and serving as vice president prepared you for, for that job? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Full stop. And how would you, you know, describe the, that? that what about, I think he was shocked. So, yeah, pause it. Pause it. Yeah. This is what I want to ask well, you about because of, yes. it's, it's first of all, I think overall the words that she uses, which is maybe not typical, actually makes sense. Uh, <laughs> the word? The word. the word. Well, in the words afterward, in terms of like a vice president's job is to prepare for this. Yeah. But I thought, Scott, this from a, a and 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 actually, Kevin, you're a former speechwriter as well, maybe even a current one. In terms of why words matter and 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 responses matter, in this kind of a high level thing, to me, there's an immediate need for a vice president to quickly even change the 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 uh, the context of the question in the first place. Yes. That should be like That's what she should have done. Page one of the briefing material. But <laughs> if you could, ever ask this. But like in that moment, like you like you could hear like the expectation in her. I mean, what she what I heard was, Yes, do you know something I don't know? Have you heard something today? Should we go check on him right now? It was almost like there was hidden excitement that like it, broke through. Barely hidden. And and so but but this exchange though, um, underscores what I think is going to be the, one of the most unusual things about this presidential campaign, which is vice presidents are actually going to matter for a change. Because if you look at this, but then the, the polling that's come out in the last couple of weeks, three quarters of the American people say Joe Biden is too old to be running for president. Over half of his own party. Uh, tonight I saw a survey, a national survey, and it was like, I think might, might have been CNN survey, it was, it, it was like, Two-thirds of the American people thought that his age and abilities would be uh, would severely impair his uh, ability to do the job in a second term. Th- this is a real and present conversation. So it is fully relevant. Well, who is your vice president? And I fully expect the Republicans, whoever the nominee is, Trump or whoever, to make the case. We are not really running against Joe Biden. You're running against this person. Kamala Harris, that they're trying to like make it okay, but you know it's not okay. I th- this is going to be a real thing, real thing, real thing. Speaking of uh, the Biden family, our friend James Comer, the Oversight uh, Committee Chair in the House, uh, talking on Fox Business on Wednesday, asked about the committee's subpoena of um, from the National Archives the emails of then Vice President Joe Biden in the Obama administration. I'm begging all of your indulgence here. It's a little bit longer of a soundbite yes. here. It's about a, about a minute, but this is a pretty succinct way, though, overall for our friend Jamie Comer to update us on where we are here with this National Archives subpoena. Well, the archives are saying that uh, th- because it happened during the Obama administration, that Barack Obama uh, will have 30 days to review all 5,400 of these emails in the pseudonyms. And then he will decide whether or not he's going to turn it over to the House Oversight Committee. So your guess is as good as mine. But at the end of the day, uh, we believe that many of these that were using the pseudonyms also had redactions that pertain to things about Hunter Biden, even redacting the the fact that he was copied on these. So what Joe Biden's always said and the mainstream media has always gone along with is that, well, there was no, why are you going, why are you investigating Hunter Biden? He wasn't a part of the government and Joe Biden had a firewall between the government and and his son. That's not true. Mm. We've proven that in the last two weeks. There are emails that went back and forth where Hunter's legal team was telling Joe Biden how to spin the narrative about the corruption he got caught in. Mm. There was copies where he was copied about Ukraine foreign policy. And we believe there are many more emails that the National Archives is sitting on. Great update there from Jamie Comer. This all happens, uh, Scott. The backdrop is that the special counsel, David Weiss, is reportedly 
here on Wednesday night is going to be seeking indictment of Hunter Biden on gun charges later this month. The, the biggest, what I liked about what Jamie said there was the biggest lie being told by Democrats right now is that, well, there's nothing, there's no connection between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. <laughs> well, other than, and he's a man who loves his son. They're and, not even related. Yeah. He's a man who loves his son, and you should not get in the way of recovery from an addiction. And those, what, those are the two messages. And, and what, what Jamie is revealing is that there... <laughs> There's tons of connection, connectivity between Hunter Biden's business stuff and Joe Biden's knowledge of it. We were told, I have nothing to do. I don't even know about it. Wait a minute. And now, and then it was, well, I knew about it, but I didn't have anything to do with it. Then it was, well, I was on the phone, but we just talked about the weather. And then, oh, by the way, you're using pseudonyms in your email. I mean, this thing gets, the goalposts get moved every week on this thing. I was reliably informed that if you used a fake email address, then their rules don't matter. I mean, like, look, he, he can, had, we, can we just, like, talk about that one fact? How many emails did that guy have? Yeah. I mean, how many how many people have created fake email accounts <laughs> in order, like, during government business in order to, like, communicate with your son? Yeah. I mean, like, that's weird. It's weird. And so you have these people on the one hand saying, well, there's no evidence. And we shouldn't, we, we should just, just something over here, over there, over there. There's evidence every week coming out, and and the it's like thing Philip is, Bump, calm out, calm if out. You, yeah, Just, Philip, he had his go this week. If you, but but if you objectively looked at where we started back during the presidential campaign of 2020, yeah, yeah. what they were saying about this, to now, there is a mountain of evidence, and it builds every week. And then, as you pointed out, Joe, in the background of that, you've got Hunter's own other legal issues which are now rearing again. He's going to be indicted, apparently, over the, the gun. So he's a drug addict with a gun, lied on a form, threw the gun in a dumpster, blamed it on illegal Mexicans, or at least people he perceived as Mexican. Crazy story. This was, this was going to be washed away yeah. in the crazy plea agreement. Mm-hmm. There's so much. And th- by the way, this guy has been living at the White House, travels with his dad, Goes to Camp David, flies around on his Air Force One. His dad loves him. Unconditional. Bringing his cocaine to the White House, too. Nobody, and this is the, nobody faults Joe Biden for loving his son. What they fault Joe Biden for is making fake email accounts and then lying to the American people about what he knew about his son's business to absorb money from the Chinese Communist Party. The, the, no one That's in what there, we fault Joe Biden for. Nobody but the most mindless, brainless partisan believes— that foreign countries, foreign oligarchs, shady dealers, whatever, foreign people, Chinese, Ukrainian, Romanian, Kazakhstan, Transylvanian, whatever, nobody in their right mind believes they were paying this dude tens of millions of dollars just because he was some genius business consultant. (laughs) No. Joe Biden is the, they don't have a factory. They have nothing. The only product they have is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the product. And we do know Joe Biden got on the phone with these people who were paying the money. But, he, dr- but drug addiction. <laughs> I know. I know. When you're an addict, you, they let you do it. Money. I, I don't know. I mean, what, what, I'm, what, what, I'm, what, I'm what can you here, say? Money is a hell of a drug. <laughs> this is this is though. I mean, I'm just I'm just uh, uh, parroting yeah. the usual talking points that are used uh, when you're appearing on CNN. I know. And the pe- people they pair you with are like, but but he was a drug addict. But he was a drug addict. But, but his father yeah. loves him, and this is a family matter. Yeah. I, I I just don't understand. How long can you can you uh, in good conscience continue that? And to what extent? I I do see there's some cracks there in the dam when it comes to some of the... Yes, there uh, was crack in the dam. There's crack everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's literally crack everywhere all over this story. Everything is crack. In the mass media. Here's what, But here's what's going to happen next. The House Republicans are going to have to decide how to handle this. You know, I'm, I am a conservative on government action generally, large or small. I've been skeptical of this being necessary, but where I am now, based on what they have uncovered and what they probably could uncover with more tools, I mean, I'm there. I think an impeachment inquiry is necessary. And bear in mind, in my memory of this at least, and tell me all of you follow news closer than I do these days, but Nancy Pelosi did that unilaterally. 
And, she Kev- did. and Kevin McCarthy is basically saying, let's we'll do vote. a vote. We'll vote. So this is something which, again, uh, there's a, that maybe that extra tranche yeah. there to get there. I mean, they've obviously got the government funding issue to deal with, and and that's the big story for Congress. But but I I don't know how you can't when you already pull these threads, and every time you pull one, more stuff comes out. I just I don't know. It would seem irresponsible to me to stop. I mean, they're on the cusp of knowing everything we need to know. And what's and and it's all. What's nuts is it's all against the backdrop of them working so hard to make sure you never saw it. Yep. It started with that laptop story. Remember, just go back in time. They turned off a newspaper's Twitter account. Yeah. To try to it was Russian disinformation. They had fifty people who held positions of trust in the U.S. national security apparatus sign a letter saying, "Oh, this is all fabricated by the Russians." This was one of the biggest censorship and misinformation ops in American history. And just stop you from ever beginning down this path. And it's going to be incumbent upon Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans to likely investigate it because the news media certainly is not going to. Actively tried to shut down Comer's investigation time and again. They have no interest. No. And we we saw this. I mentioned the Philip Bump thing. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, this is all circumstantial evidence. And the the journalist asked him, was like, well, what about this? And he's like, oh, well, uh, I don't really know about that. I'm going to leave your interview now. Yeah. Like, no one seems to care. It it is stunning. Well, the truth is this. It doesn't matter what Joe Biden does. It doesn't matter what he's done. It doesn't matter how many fabrications he makes about his personal narrative. It doesn't matter how many times he bumbles out of an event. It doesn't matter how stupid he looks about this masking. It doesn't matter how much they lie about the southern border. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what they do because they've, they have decided it's, it's all acceptable because Trump. Yep. That's it. It doesn't, and it's all acceptable because DeSantis. It's worse than Trump. As, right. And so they just have decided, you know what, end of the day, none of this stuff matters because we just can't allow the Republican Party to run the government. That's it. So it, it, if that is your baseline, like, well, it's our job to preserve the country from any Republican, then we, we have to basically take part in <laughs> stopping you from knowing anything that might <laughs> usher that in. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing it's an amazing mindset. This man is the president of the United States. From flying high with Hunter Biden, let's get back on the ground here in Kentucky. We have a statewide election. We are two months from Thursday, two months away from Election Day. That that Sean, this the the the, the, the clock is ticking here. This is a it's an amazing uh, proximity here. What's happening? <laughs> proximity. Yeah, are you going to start doing any work anytime soon, Sean? Well, you're fighting with Twitter on people. I have been. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, you're fighting on X. That's on right. X. The I site, see, not the drug. I don't like what my, I don't, I don't like what my, I don't like what my friends fight. And, and you and Adam Edelin somehow got into this. I'm, what, what happened here? This was all about the ground game? I, I mean, it wasn't really about the ground game. There's been a lot of misinformation out here. Okay. Okay. Mm. Joe, you and your misinformation. misinformation. So he tweeted something that Censor said... Him. Censor him. Said, I've never seen a Kentucky campaign with less of a ground game than Daniel Cameron's. The foundational truth of Kentucky politics is that you must be present to win. And so I just shared a map that showed the counties that Daniel Cameron had been in with public meet and greets organized by the campaign yeah. that the press was invited to. And this was a map created by a journalist, correct? Yes, uh, Olivia Krauth, formerly of the Louisville <laughs> Courier-Journal. The, the data journalist formerly known as the Courier-Journal's Olivia Krauth. Lots of people wondering what she's going to do. Yes, I'm one of them. Lots I've known Olivia since she was in college yeah. at the Louisville Cardinal. I wonder what she's going to do. But so I tweeted out this map, and I said, Adam, you must have the candidates confused because, <laughs> because Daniel Cameron has gone to a significantly higher number of counties yes. than Andy Bashir. And I also noted that you know Adam Edelin lost to Mike Harmon in 2015, and he also lost his gubernatorial primary to Andy Bashir. Only winning two counties, so this. So this, he's a but in those, but well, but but in those two counties, his ground game was 
Must have been phenomenal. Incredible. They knocked on tens of Just to of be dollars. fair. Must I mean, have been legendary. I truly am asking questions I don't know the answers to, which is dangerous, but are, does, is perhaps is he counting Annie Bashir's official visits to places as governor, as as political events, perhaps? I don't... I don't Dark, I mean, and, I, I dark and inscrutable are the ways of Adam Edelin's mind. I don't, I don't know what is on his mind, mm-hmm. except maybe solar panels. The sun wasn't out when he tweeted that. <laughs> yes. Phone <laughs> 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 wasn't charging. Yeah. But, but so I, I just think this idea where people continue to try to say, you know, they did this to, to Daniel. They've done this to Daniel the whole entire time. And they have tried to say that, that he does not show up into counties, and he's literally out working his butt off. Yeah. In order yeah. to to make the case for his candidacy, he's actually offered serious policy platforms in order to to draw a contrast not not for the purpose of drawing a contrast with the governor, but actually to address the problems uh, facing this state. And they they will do and say anything in order to try to besmirch Daniel Cameron, and it's it's just a shame. It is a shame, and it's wrong. He is out campaigning. Yes, I mean. <laughs> Everybody knows it. That's the thing. You talk to anybody in, in politics and around, go out to I mean, they see Daniel. He's literally running all over the state. And it's not only it's not only it's not only uh And the, by the way, so is the whole Republican ticket. Right. right, right, right. It's not only Daniel going to events. Daniel's whole holding more press availability than the governor is, answering questions repeatedly. I mean, you, you go ask you go to a governor's a gaggle and uh, you get one question and then you get cut off. Daniel Cameron will stand there and answer Plenty of questions. And so, like, Daniel is visible. He's accessible. He's out meeting with voters. And it's just, it just patently false. In this fight, after Adam Edlin and you got into it, I did notice that the aforementioned Krauth, comma, Olivia, had re, reposted. That's the new term. Reposted Edlin's post <laughs> and said. Oh, because of this is no longer retweeted? It's, it's called posted. I got you. And she said, <clears throat> and I quote, to Adam Edlin, as someone who has spent months tracking the ground game of KYGov candidates, I can confidently say just like WTF are you talking about? <laughs> so if you don't want to take Sean's word for it, which is completely understandable, just take <laughs> Olivia's word, the person who created the map and the person who has been following the campaigns, she told the truth. So, I don't know. I think sometimes people throw chum in the water like that because they're like, it's like a tell. It's like they're sensitive about it yeah. on their own side, and so they throw it out. It's sort of a an insecure tell. I don't people know. People will believe this if I just say it, and you know, nobody, nobody facts checks. No, no. What is this? This is my favorite. So, oh, more <laughs> Olivia. Quote, speaking of ground game, it feels like every time I get on here, meaning X, I get greeted by Kevin Bratcher's tweets about how he's out there knocking on doors. This does not happen with anyone else. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally Bratcher tweeted back at Adam Elon, LOL, get out much? <laughs> so, so anyway, I, that, I, I did find that whole exchange to be, I don't know. I thought it was Adam a little... Adam also besmirched the good name of our friend Jared Crawford, too. Called did? him some, some nasty things. He did? He did. Oh, I, yes. Yes. He, well, he, is that why Jared's not here? Yes. Uh, he might be... Did you, did you not see this? I, I, dude, I don't... I texted I got, it to you. Well, then I definitely didn't see it. What, what happened? <laughs> are we allowed to... Sw- we, we, we're not allowed to say that on this family podcast. He, did, he, did he curse at Jared? He compared him... Uh, oh, my God. Tell me. To a dog? <laughs> what kind? No, 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 a gnat that flies around. A gnat that flies around a dog? No. Dog poop? No, he called him a dog gnat. Yeah. What does that even mean? It, it's, it's... Hold on. Son, welcome to Kentucky. What? I mean, I just, I just, he's, okay. He's not, choose not to be a dog. What does that even mean? <laughs> I think it's a saying that we're supposed to know, like from Hee Haw. I don't know. It's 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 something which is sort of like if you say it, it makes you sound like you're more local, and so you say. I that. think Adam typed into Chat GPT generate a what will appear to be a colloquial insult yes. for someone, you know, like me to tweet, <laughs> and and it did. Sorry, Jared. We don't think of you as being a gnat or in our remaining moments, a dog genital. <laughs> we- <laughs> So I'm we sorry. Are. I feel bad for Jared yeah. now. I right. didn't, we Jared, didn't defend we, him. Sorry, man. 
So we're t- we, we are two months <laughs> away now from Election Day. The debates don't start until late this month. There's one non-televised one at the uh, Chamber of Commerce. You have, I think, three that are televised coming up in October. By the way, what would your what would what would your solar panel company have anything to do with your knowledge of a Republican campaign's ground game anyway? I don't even know. Yeah. Like I'm just reading his insult to Jared. He or had if, one tweet and he wanted to throw it all in there. Or of Nance. Yeah. Oh Lord. Such a weird dude. I'm sorry, Joe. I've just I'm now No, that's fine. I'm now upset for Jared. Like, is, I think you is, should trademark is, the name and put a t shirt. <laughs> This, this is like how broken his brain is as a result of losing to Mike Carmen. Mike, God bless you <laughs> for taking this guy out of public office. Because clearly he can't even, like, uh, should have not even access to a phone. I mean, he's literally tweeting it. Poor Jared Poor in the Jared, middle of the yeah. weekend. Okay. He's very busy with the solar panels. So busy that he, <laughs> he's making up insults for Jared. Go ahead. What kind of uh, attention has there been on this governor's race and the other statewide races, Sean? In terms of, the, is it has it reached the point of where the average voter is engaged on this yet, or when does that start? I think nowish. I mean, I think post Fancy Farm, <laughs> um, <laughs> post post Fancy Farm, post Labor Day, uh, most voters actually start paying attention. You know, uh, voters are getting people knocking on their door. They're st- might start getting some direct mail soon. They might. Well, lots of TV ads. The candidates and their independent groups have been up on TV since the primary. They haven't. Right. People in Kentucky haven't gotten a break from this campaign. Uh, governor's races in Kentucky are obviously off year, and so it makes uh, turnout an interesting roller coaster. You go back to 2015, and turnout was like 30 percent, very low. And then you fast forward to 2019, and it was was it 42 or 44? I forget. Something it was like it was that. in the low 40s. That's a huge jump. I mean, that's a couple hundred, few hundred thousand people jump. Yeah, obviously that was during the Trump years, and 15 was just before all of that. So it's sort of turnout predictions and mm-hmm. modeling. It's kind of an interesting crapshoot on this one. I will say this. To me, the most interesting difference in the ballot is there's no third party. Mm-hmm. In 15 and 19, there was the third door. The Libertarian got 28,000 votes in 19. Bevin lost by 5,000 votes. So, and then in 15 was, that was the Drew Curtis, yeah. mm-hmm. Fark.com guy year, and he got some votes, not a ton, but he was in the debate. You moderated one. I moderated one at Bellarmine University. He was kind of the Allen Keck of that campaign in some ways. Like, he had an interesting sort of demeanor and didn't get as many votes as people thought he was going to get. But uh, anyway, th- this is a two-person race. There's door A and door B, which, so when you combine the uncertainty about overall turnout plus... No third door. I don't know. Just to me, the, the dynamics are, are sort of fascinating. Before we wrap it up here on this uh, edition of Flyover Country with Scott Jennings, mm. uh, quick note that uh, Ron DeSantis is coming to Kentucky. He has a fundraiser coming up uh, September 12th. Is yeah. this the next week? Reemergence of Ambassador Kelly Craft following her run in the governor's race and losing in the Republican primary. She's Ron DeSantis's main money person in Kentucky and had him... I think it was last summer that she had him in Lexington. So this will be the well, this will right. be the second DeSantis uh, appearance in Kentucky with Ambassador Kraft. So I noticed one of the names on the invitation was also, and just a shout out to John McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy and John's a former Kentucky State Republican Party chairman. And last week, something actually, Sean, you and I were in attendance mm-hmm. at, uh, major happened at the Republican Party of Kentucky. John was elected to be the national committeeman for uh, the Republican Party of Kentucky uh, to the RNC. And so he's well qualified with his state and federal experience uh, and uh, hard to fill the shoes of one Mike Duncan. But I think John, uh, having been nominated by uh, Mike, will uh will do the best that he can. Mike Duncan had been Kentucky's Republican National Committee man, was it 1991? 1992. 92. Yeah. I mean, that is some longevity. And of course, From Mike... Inez, correct? Mike had yep. uh, then, he rose all the way up to become Republican National Committee chairman during the Bush years. Yep. And um, uh, just had been a mentor to so many of us who'd come along and was my first sort of... He was the regional chairman of the Bush-Cheney campaign in 2000 when I took my first campaign job, and he and I were part of the the operation that uh, helped flip West Virginia that year uh, 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 when uh, Carl decided to make the big bet on West Virginia back in 2000. So uh, Mike Duncan stepping down, 
Godspeed to Mike. He's a great American. Yes. A great Republican. Yeah. A big tent Republican. A gentleman. Believes in the team. Just a, just a nice. And and has just been loyal and has also had a number of important appointments in the federal government. He was te- he was uh, chairman of the board of the TVA. He was uh, chairman of the Postal, Postal Service. Service Commission. Um, no, the uh, actual Postal Service. Yeah, the Postal Board of Governors. That's yeah. what they call it, yeah. the Board of Governors, yes. Um, and uh, um, among other things. Ran the White House Fellows Program. I'm yeah. really big on mentorship. Oh, yeah. Just just a great guy. And, and the ovation he got at the state Republican Party event was great. He gave a great speech. There were lots of tributes to Mike from the congressional delegation and and from around the room. And so uh, we really appreciate Mike uh, for a very long time. And John's going to do a great job as National Committee man. And um, once again, um, Kentucky, I'm sure, will have a something something prominent to do at the uh, at the National Convention in 2024. Punch above its weight, you could say. <laughs> as we wrap up, one quick seam right heard. I don't know if you guys have anything. Is that I had my dad was in town last week. Had a great time. Scott, thanks for showing him around uh, yeah. the studios here. We had occasion to run into, you, you can ask for no better endorser than Russell Coleman. Russell Coleman pulled my dad aside, <laughs> and just it, he pumped me up. Basically, he did a great job. Russell, if you're listening, thank you for your very kind words. It, my, my dad was kind of walking on a cloud coming out of that room after your, uh, your, your very kind words, so I appreciate that. Anything for us, Kevin? Uh, yeah. Right before we got started tonight, I read in the Washington Times... Uh, we talked on this podcast about these uh, Soros-funded prosecutors, these liberal prosecutors who don't decide to enforce the laws. And uh, they had an article that 13 Soros-backed prosecutors across the state, across the country have either been defeated, removed, or quit. 13 down, 70 to go. That's pretty good progress. Um, some of them, you know, aren't going away forever. They're going to – there's one run against Ted Cruz in the Senate in Texas. But uh, that was some pretty good progress, I thought. I got to uh, I got to see my family uh, this weekend, uh, which uh, we got to celebrate my dad and my brother's birthdays, and so I just want to give them a shout out. I met, met my dad listens to this podcast, and so I did. Uh, Rob Southerd and uh, Daniel, happy birthday, Joe, Russell. Oh, you already did yours. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have, I have Kevin put my headphones down when you're talking. So. <laughs> Well, that will do it this week for no, Flyover I have Pittsburgh. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I just have a quick one. Um, <laughs> the New York Post uh, ran a story this week. Headline: Short-staffed Austin police, Austin, Texas. Short-staffed Austin, Texas police ask robbery victims not to call nine one one as crime ravages city. And this was re- reposted by our friend Ann Coulter, who who pulled a quote from the Texas Tribune. August 13th, 2020, of a story headlined, Austin City Council Cuts Police Department Budget by One-Third. So, August 13th, 2020, they cut the budget by one-third of the police. Fast forward to August of 2023. Please don't call 911. (laughs) If someone's robbing you, you are on your own. So, Austin, Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Bastion of progressive local politics, and we see where that gets you. Jared, we're thinking about you. You, 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 you gnat, dog. <laughs> you dog, <laughs> genital gnat guy. For Scott, <laughs> Kevin, should, he and wish, Sean. Jared, Jared should rename his I'm fantasy Joe. football team. That might be the dog gnat, the dog wiener gnats. I'm trying to wrap this up, and everyone else hopes you do too. Uh, say, go, say goodbye, Scott. Sorry, Jared. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.